goes like this. Oh, to see the dawn of the darkest day, Christ on the road to Calvary, plied by sinful men, torn and beaten then, nailed to a cross of wood. Oh, to see the pain written on your face, bearing the awesome weight of sin, every bitter thought, every evil deed, crowning your blood-stained brow. This, the power of the cross. Christ became sin for us, took the blame, bore the wrath. We stand forgiven at the cross. Now, last week, we looked at a passage that spoke of a promise, the promise to David that a seed, an heir of his, would rule and reign on the throne forever. And we saw in Luke chapter 1 that that promise was fulfilled in Jesus. But what I want you to understand this morning is that the birth of Christ is meaningless without the death of Christ. You need to understand that Jesus didn't come to earth to live. Jesus came to earth to die. Without the cross, there would be no Christ. Without the cross, there would be no Christmas. Without the cross, there would be no Christianity. Without the cross, you and I would still be enslaved in our sin without hope of ever being set free. And that's what I want us to focus on this morning, the hope that we have because of the cross. And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Psalm 22. Psalm 22. Now this psalm was written by David, and it's obvious that as we read this psalm that that it is describing a bitter, painful time in David's life. But you can't read this psalm without realizing that David is also speaking about something else. It's obvious as we read this psalm that this is not a scene describing the persecution of David. The truth is, there is no Old Testament figure that went through the agonies that are expressed, that are described in this psalm. There is only one event in human history that this psalm could describe, and there's only one person that went through this, and that is Jesus. Now, as we walk through this psalm this morning, there are two truths that I pray that God will etch in your mind and your heart this morning. Here's truth number one. Jesus experienced horrific agony on the cross. Jesus went through agony that no one has ever gone through before. Listen to what it says, beginning in verse 1. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night you hear my voice, but I find no relief. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel, our ancestors, trusted in you and you rescued them they cried out to you and were saved they trusted in you and were never disgraced but I am a worm and not a man I am scorned and despised by all everyone who sees me mocks me they sneer and shake their heads saying is this the one 
who relies on the Lord, then let the Lord save him. If the Lord loves him so much, let the Lord rescue him. Yet you brought me safely from my mother's womb and led me to trust you at my mother's breast. I was thrust into your arms at my birth. You have been my God from the moment I was born. Do not stay so far from me, for trouble is near, and no one can help me. My enemies surround me like a herd of bulls. Fierce bulls of Bashan have hemmed me in like lions. They open their jaws against me, roaring and tearing into their prey. My life is poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax melting within me. My strength is dried up like sun-baked clay. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You have laid me in the dust and left me for dead. My enemies surround me like a pack of dogs. An evil gang closes in on me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. My enemies stare at me and gloat. They divide my garments among themselves and they throw dice for my clothing. O Lord, do not stay far away. You are my strength. Come quickly to my aid. Save me from the sword. Spare my precious life from these dogs. Snatch me from the lion's jaws and from the horns of these wild oxen. I'm afraid that many of us today don't fully understand what Jesus went through when he was nailed to that cross. He was betrayed, denied, spit on, beaten with fists, slapped, mocked, flogged, beaten with rods, taunted, marched through the city carrying a cross, and finally crucified to that cross. The agony that Jesus experienced was more intense than any man has ever experienced before and will ever experience again. The Bible tells us that that Jesus experienced physical agony. Verses 12 through 21 describe some of that agony. We are told that his bones were out of joint. His heart was about to burst. He was parched. His hands and his feet were pierced. He had been beaten so severely that his bones could be counted. Now, these prophecies clearly describe the crucifixion of Jesus that we read about in the Gospels. In describing the brutality of Jesus' death, this is what Isaiah the prophet said. He said, his appearance was disfigured beyond that of any man, and his form marred beyond human likeness. The truth is, the portrayals of Jesus' death could never truly picture the agony that he went through. The Bible tells us that Jesus was flogged. He was whipped with something called a cat of nine tails. This was a a piece of wood that had nine strips of leather attached to it. And each of the nine strips of leather had bone and iron sewn into those strips. And they would beat the person without mercy with that cat of nine tails. And with every blow of that cat of nine tails, skin would be peeled off like paper. Dr. Truman Davis, a medical doctor, said the cuts would go deeper and deeper until arteries would spurt blood and flesh hung like long ribbons. 
Eusebius, who was a third century historian, said the very muscles, sinews, and bowels were exposed to the air. So he was beaten. Next, a beam of the cross was placed on his already torn shoulders and he was marched through the streets of the city. They were told that that, that cross beam probably weighed at least 100 pounds. And as he carried it through the streets of the city up that hill called Galgotha, the blood continued to pour from his body. When they got up to the top of that hill, they put the cross beam down and attached it to the rest of the cross, and then they stretched out Jesus' arm and nailed it to the cross. Then they took the other arm, but because it would not go far enough, they would attach a rope to that arm. They would pull the arm out until it was dislocated out of the socket, out of joint, as far as it could go, and then they would nail it to the cross. When a person hung on the cross like that, their muscles in their chest cavity began to paralyze. You could only breathe that way for so long. And so when that happened to a person, if they were left just like that, they would typically die within minutes. But the Romans didn't want that. And so what they would do is they would take the the prisoner's legs and they would bend them at the knees. And then they would put a board underneath their feet. And they would nail that board there so that their feet could sit on that board. And so what would happen is the prisoner would sit there with their arms out like that in agony. And they could breathe in, but they couldn't breathe out. And finally, when they couldn't breathe anymore, they would pick themselves up. But as they picked themselves up, you can imagine that, that the nails that went into their feet would just tear and and it would be excruciating pain. And they would hold themselves up like that until they couldn't bear the pain anymore. And they would go back down. And they would sit in that position until they couldn't breathe. And they would pick themselves up. And so the prisoner would be on the cross like this going up and down and up and down. And excruciating pain sometimes for days until they couldn't go through the pain anymore. And finally, as they were gave, they would be give, gave out, they, they had no more energy, they had no more strength, they would finally die. Jesus went through physical agony. But then we are told that Jesus went through emotional agony. Verses 6 through 10 describe some of that agony. It says, He was scorned and despised by all. He was mocked by everyone. They sneered. They shook their heads in disgust. Verse 18 tells us that the soldiers divided his garments and gambled for his clothing. Jesus hung on that cross naked as people came by and hurled insults at him. Can you imagine being led through those streets? The streets you had walked down hundreds of times. You have healed the sick there. You gave sight to the blind. You caused the deaf to hear. You taught eternal truths to people. And now those very people that you healed, that you taught, 
were mocking you and cursing you. Can you imagine the abandonment Jesus must have felt as his disciples, those who followed him the closest and loved him the most, abandoned him in fear and didn't stay with him. As Jesus was hanging on that cross, he probably caught the eye of some of the very people he ministered to who were now laughing at him. The emotional agony. But understand the physical agony and the emotional agony that Jesus went through paled in comparison to the spiritual agony that Jesus experienced. In verse 1, we read the very words of Jesus, the words that he cried out from the cross, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why have you forsaken me? The word that is used in the New Testament to describe Jesus crying out was used only there in the entire New Testament. It means to scream out in agony. R.C. Sproul calls it the scream of the damned. All the physical pain that Jesus went through didn't cause him to scream out. He was beaten. And he didn't open his mouth. He was whipped. And he didn't utter a word. A crown of thorns was thrust onto his head, and yet he remained silent. The nails were hammered into his feet and his hands, and yet he uttered not a single word. But now, now in the darkness of the moment, he screams out. What Jesus was experiencing in this moment was more painful and more horrifying than anything that any man had ever experienced before. Jesus was abandoned by God. And I've seen cars abandoned. I've seen houses that have been abandoned and buildings that have been abandoned. I've even counseled at times with women who have been abandoned and even children who have been abandoned. But this is Jesus, the Son of God, God in the flesh, the one who was with God in the beginning, the one who was with God before the beginning. And now he is screaming out from the cross, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? But why? Why did he scream that out? Why did Jesus scream out that the Father had abandoned the Son? Here's why. Because at that moment in human history, the weight of sin was placed upon Jesus. The spotless Lamb of God was now bearing the pain, the guilt, the shame of all sin. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, For he who never sinned became sin for us. In 1 Peter chapter 2, it says, He, Jesus, personally carried our sins in his body on the cross. Someone said it like this. Imagine that somewhere in the universe, there is a cesspool containing all the sins 
that have ever been committed. The cesspool is deep and dark and indescribably foul. All the evil deeds that men and women have ever done are floating there. Imagine that a river of filth constantly flows into that cesspool, replenishing the vile mixture with all the evil that is done every single day. Now imagine that while Jesus is on that cross, that cesspool is emptied on him. See the flow of filth as it settles on him. The flow never seems to stop. It is vile. It is toxic. It is deadly. Filled with disease, pain, and suffering. Think about it. All the lust of the world is there. All the broken promises are there. All the murder, all the killing, all the hatred between people. All the theft was there. All the adultery, all the pornography, all the drunkenness, all the bitterness, all the greed, all the gluttony, all the drug abuse, all the crime, all the cursing. Every vile deed, every wicked thought, every vain imagination, all of it was laid upon Jesus as he hung on the cross. And in that moment, in human history, because of a plan that had been made long ago, at the very beginning, Jesus became sin. He went to the cross. Instead of forsaking us, the Father forsook his Son. Instead of pouring out his wrath on us, the Father poured out his wrath on his Son. In that dark moment on the cross, the Father turned his back on the Son. God the Father rejected his only begotten Son. What we deserve to be forsaken by God because of our sin, Jesus took upon himself. When God looked down from heaven, he didn't see his Son. He saw every sin that had ever been committed and every sin that would ever be committed. And the Father, because he is holy, had to look away. He had to separate himself from the sin. The Father turned his back on the Son so that he wouldn't have to turn his back on us. Jesus was temporarily separated from his Father. So that you and I could forever be united with him. Because of our sin and because of his love, Jesus experienced total separation from God. Jesus was forsaken so that we could be forgiven. And that sin being poured out on him and that separation from the Father literally broke Jesus' heart. The Bible tells us when, when they thrust the spear into his side, the water and the blood poured out. Medical authorities tell us that that's what happens when the heart ruptured. His heart literally exploded in agony. The agony of the cross. 
But praise God, that's not the end. Because as we continue to read this psalm, we see in verse 22 that things begin to change. And we discover that Jesus won our victory on the cross. You see, Jesus did experience horrific agony on the cross. But because of that, Jesus won our victory on the cross. The second part of this psalm has a drastic change in mood. It seems like the agony turns to praise. Listen to what it says beginning in verse 22. I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you among your assembled people. Praise the Lord. All who fear him, honor him, all you descendants of Jacob. Show him reverence, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not ignored our belittle, or not ignored or belittled the suffering of the needy. He has not turned his back on them, but has listened to their cries for help. I will praise you in the great assembly. I will fulfill my vows in the presence of those who worship you. The poor will eat and be satisfied. All who seek the Lord will praise him. Their hearts will rejoice with everlasting joy. The whole earth will acknowledge the Lord and return to him. All the families of the nations will bow down before him, for the royal power belongs to the Lord. He rules all the nations. Let the rich of the earth feast and worship. Bow before him, all who are mortal, all who, whose lives will end as dust. Our children will also serve him. Future generations will hear about the wonders of the Lord, his righteous acts will be told to those not yet born. They will hear about everything he has done. You see, what begins as sorrow is turned to praise. What looks like a tragedy is turned into a triumph. Verse 1 begins with this cry, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? A cry of agony. But in verse 31, we read this cry, it is done, it is finished, a cry of victory. You see, this psalm begins with a cry of agony, but it ends with a cry of victory. Now, the English translation of verse 31 doesn't do what the psalmist is saying justice. The phrase he has done is one Hebrew word. It's the Hebrew word asah, which means completed or finished. When Jesus breathed his last breath, he cried out one word, finished. You see, when Jesus came to this earth, Jesus was given a mission from his heavenly father. He was to come to earth as a man and do what no man could ever do. He was to fulfill the righteous requirements of the law so that he could offer himself as the sacrifice for the entire world. And from the very beginning, Jesus let nothing deter him from that mission. His eyes were focused on Calvary. And when he breathed his last breath, when he completed his mission, when he provided redemption for everyone, he cried out, Finished, completed, done. Jesus paid the price. That's why we praise him. 
That's why we serve him. Because he is worthy. He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our honor. He's worthy of our service. Jesus went through horrific agony so that you and I could be forgiven and experience life. And after he died and completed the mission, everything that needed to be done was done to save us, except for us receiving the gift. That's what we have to do. You see, Jesus' death on the cross is meaningless, is useless, unless we receive it. And so let me ask you, has the agony that Jesus went through on the cross changed your life? Because if it hasn't, then that agony has done you no good. I want you to bow your head. I want you to close your eyes. With your head bowed and with your eyes closed, I want you to just take a moment, look at your heart, and ask yourself, has my life been changed? If it hasn't, God calls you in his word to do three things. He calls you to repent, turn from your sin. Jesus died to take our sin upon himself. We turn from our sin. He calls us to believe in him, believe that what he did on the cross fulfilled God's requirement for our salvation. And then because of his love, we surrender our lives to him. If you haven't done that, I want to beg you right now, humble yourself before God and give him your heart and your life. You can pray this prayer right now if that's what you need to do. Dear God, I come to you this morning humbly acknowledging that I am a sinner. I disobeyed you. I've rebelled against you. And I'm so sorry. And I want to live to call my sin evil. Jesus, I believe you came to this earth. You died on the cross to pay for my sins and to set me free. Today, I trust in you. I'm surrendering my life to you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Make me brand new. 